Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Thank you. I've, uh, you ever have, a, matter of fact, I felt a hindrance in here. Up until we started singing that song, I can I be honest with you? There's a hindrance. I know our worship team is nothing on them. They, they, they practiced. They came prepared. They prayed. I could tell they were even struggling. Sometimes they struggle because we don't necessarily enter in. And I know there's change. We know there's a transition taking place in our leadership here at our church. Never, never, ever fail to enter in when the Spirit of God shows up. So do you know what that means? Every time we come together, don't fail to enter in. Because why? Where two or three are gathered, he's in our midst. All right? But I felt the hindrance, but I feel like that hindrance has lifted here this morning. I really, really do. Not because we got all excited and jumped around, but just I, I felt the Shekinah glory fill this room when we started celebrating the fact that, hey, there's more to life than this. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hey, for those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, guess what? This is the worst it's going to get for us. It's only going to get better. But for those who don't have Jesus as Lord and Savior, I hate to tell you, this is the best it's going to be. This is the best it's going to be. Amen. Well, if you would, turn your Bibles with me this morning. No, I'm not going to. Why is my Bible over in First? Oh, I know why. Those are my teaching notes. I'm sorry. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. So good to have you all here in God's house today. Uh, been a rough week this week for me. I'm, you know, I'm very transparent with you all. Uh, I covet your prayer. It's been a long week, a busy week this past week. A lot of different meetings going on with the section and with the district. And just be in prayer for our district tomorrow. I will be in Mariana meeting uh, with the rest of the, uh, the body, uh, um, pastors and ministers in our district. And we'll be electing a new network uh, superintendent tomorrow. Pastor Moore resigned. And so technically he goes through the end of the month. But reality, tomorrow his service ends. And so we will be elected. Y'all just be in prayer for us tomorrow. We want the right man or woman of God. That will lead this great, uh, pa- uh, great network. We call it network now. It's district for some of y'all. But uh, Pastor Moore has done a phenomenal job in leading us for the last seven, 11 years and bringing us to where we are. And I'm just believing God's going to provide the right, the right man or woman to take us on into uh, the years to come. So please be in, in prayer for me tomorrow in our fellowship. Um, it's all right if I, forgo, if I forgo the joke. You okay if I forgo the joke this morning? Okay. Well, it really isn't a joke. This is for all of you that think you know it all and you just need one more little bit of information. All right. You may not know this, but when you're born, your eyeball size never changes. The eye size that you have when you're born is the same that when you die. But your nose and your ears keep growing on forever. <laughs> What's amazing about that is as they grow, you don't hear any better, nor do you smell any better. If anything, it goes the other way around. All right, all right, there's your information this morning. Um, it's kind of, been a, kind of been a dark week for me. And I say, when I say dark, a heavy week, simply because of the nature of this message today. Uh, you know, sometimes when you study darkness, it has an effect on you. Does that make sense? And, and I'm not saying I studied darkness, but we're definitely going to be, we're going to look at Judas today. 
a little bit in our scripture. You know, the last couple of weeks, we took, I took last week off as far from pulpit and let Dr. Darrow minister to us. We had a great time last weekend. But prior to that, for the three or four weeks prior to that, I've been in the book of Acts. And this series is called Power for Today. Uh, and literally, if you haven't noticed, we're literally pretty much going through the book of Acts scripture by scripture. We may not read every scripture, but we'll, we'll try to cover as much as we can within context each week. But we've looked at the last three weeks, chapter 1, and there is some great and exciting news, information, reality for us today as Christians. I mean, there really is. If you go back and, and read up to verse 15, there's some, Jesus shares a lot with us through his disciples, through reading to them and talking to them and teaching them for the last 40 days of, before he ascended into, into heaven to his Father. But today, we're going to pick up on verse 15 and and as we do, it's kind of, it, it goes from great, hey, go and wait, and the promise is going to come, and Jesus is going to come back. You know, remember they were sitting there as Jesus ascended, the angels say, hey, why do you look up into heaven watching Jesus? Don't you know he's going to come back one day the same way he left? And so some exciting news that goes along with the Spirit moving just a few minutes ago. But today we're, we're, we're looking at a part of the Scripture that's sobering at best. Uh, in verses 15 through 26 as we finish chapter 1. And as we do, there are a couple things you need to notice, I want you to make note of, that we need to be reminded of within the context of having the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives today. And I'm purposely going to take my time here with this because uh, it's very important. I don't want to come up here. I'm not earning a paycheck. You know my heart. I look out here, it's so good to see this church almost packed to the gill. I make a promise, you guys keep this up. We'll go to two services for y'all that want to come in at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings, okay? Y'all keep this up, be faithful, and we can justify it. That means your pastor gets up real, real early. I will justify it, okay? But it's exciting today for this because of this message. This is, this is a message uh, that I tried to talk God out of, and he says, no, I need to preach it today. So one of the things we need to realize as we look at this scripture is we must remember that any move of God is the fulfillment of his word. I'm being slow. I want you to understand that. Is that going to be up there? I think I've got that up there. Any work of God is a fulfillment of his word. God has made promises to his people. Right? True? We like to say his promises because the scriptures are, his promises are an amen, which means they're guaranteed, they're done. The fact of the matter is that Jesus is, has, has made promises means he has to fulfill those promises for him to be God. Understand that. If Jesus doesn't fulfill the scriptures, then he's really not God. He, he's confined to fulfilling what he said he would do. So with that in mind, he, he, he's fulfilling in this scripture day, he's fulfilling his word. We're going to see here in a minute that Peter will say that God said this and this is him fulfilling it. We'll find out, hopefully next week in Acts chapter 2, that when, when the people, when the 3,000 or actually more of that come around and hear the disciples uh, speaking in their own native languages, it comes, hey, what is this? You're going to hear Peter get up and he say, hey, this is the fulfillment of what God said through the prophet Joel. Now, it took over 1,000 years for that to be fulfilled, but nonetheless, God is fulfilling his word. We need to remember that, that God is fulfilling word. And when we look at the book of Acts in its entirety, you're going to find out that the whole book is a fulfillment of God's promises to his people. The fact that he promised he would send the comforter, that he would, that, that he would send the empower, that he, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us, that he would come, he would dwell within us, and then not only that, that he would empower us to live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. 
I've said that before. Jesus said, it's very important that I leave so that the Comforter could come. He says, I came in John 10, 10 to give you life, an abundant life. The only way we can live the abundant life that Jesus came and made us sacrifice his life and rode from the grave to give us, the only way is for him to leave so that what? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit could come upon the believers so that we could live that abundant life. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. Amen. That's good. Think about that. That's why the Holy Spirit is given, to empower us. I've said this, and next week, if we get it to Acts chapter 2, I'll talk some more eventually about tongues. I know that a lot, even in our church, have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're unsure about the gifts. The one that you're really unsure of is tongues. Because everybody here wants to have a, have a word of knowledge when you need direction. Everybody wants someone to have faith for you when you're going through a crisis. Everybody, when you need a miracle, wants that gift and operation. You, you, hear what I'm, you hear my heart, right? But some reason, because of the tongues interpretation, we feel, ooh, ah, we're going to cover all of that. But remember, I believe in the tongue. I believe that God wants us to have this prayer language called tongues. I do. I believe in the gift of tongues accompanied with interpretation. But God did not send His Holy Spirit to give you tongues. He gave His Holy Spirit to empower you to be witnesses in this world that's dying and going to hell. And that's good preaching if I had to say amen myself. I know i got some staunch Pentecostals in here. I've raised, trust me, I'm with you. I'm not denying the purpose and the, and the, issue, the, the use of it, the issuing of the tongue. I'm there. But if all I do is go around speaking in tongues and I'm not doing anything for the kingdom of God, then what use, am I, what use is that empowerment in my life? Okay. That was extra. We'll probably get it again a couple, about 15, 20 more times in the next couple months to come. So anytime there's a move of God, God is working. He's keeping His promise. Anytime someone is healed, that's God keeping His word. Anytime the door is opened in the life of a believer, that is God keeping His word. Anytime someone is saved, delivered from the grips of sin, God is fulfilling His word. Anytime somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's God fulfilling His word. God keeps His word. And we need to remember that. And we see that in our text this morning. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. And, and if you remember right, this is after Jesus ascends uh, into the sky. And he had said, look, you guys go. Don't listen. Don't go preaching. Don't go laying hands on people. Don't go tell them what you've seen. Don't go tell them what I've told you. Don't go. Don't go see your mama. Don't go see your daddy. Don't go see your grandmama. Don't go to that birthday party. Don't go to that celebration over here. Uh, don't worry about that wedding over there. What I want you to do is I want you to go and you need to wait. You don't go past go. You don't collect $200. You get in that upper room and you wait for the outpouring and the promise of my Holy Spirit. See? That's how important it is for the believer, then and now. And, and under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Peter says this, Brothers and sisters, the Scripture had to be what? Fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through, the, through David concerning who? Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. And what Peter's doing in these Scriptures as we look at it, we're not going to look at necessarily the, the election of this 12th replacement uh, disciple apostle, but we're going to look at this process. We're going to look at these Scriptures and what he's doing. He's setting up for that election. Judas is gone. He's killed himself. And so there needs to be 12. That was Jesus' order. So he says, hey, we need to elect somebody. And that's what he is doing. Why? Because the Scripture must be fulfilled. Scripture has to be fulfilled. The second thing you and I need to remember as we look at this text this morning, it's not enough to see God work around us. We must allow God to work in us. I want you to look at that statement for a minute. It's great that God is working around us, isn't it? 
but we must allow him to work in us. What's tragic is seeing God move in our midst and just be a spectator. I know many of you don't know all the things that are going on in our church right now, and I'm not here to go in and tell you everything that's going on in our church, but I will tell you that God is moving in our church in might and power. He is. If you're not seeing it, it's just maybe you're not paying attention to it or, or you haven't been around when things have happened. But in the last two weeks, we've had nine people either rededicate their lives to the Lord or get saved for the first time. You know what's sad? Praise God. You know what's sad? That is more than double what has happened prior in this year. But it's good. Do you know that there's people in our midst here in our church that have been physically healed in their bodies in the last couple weeks? I know you don't hear about these things. Yeah. You know there's people in our midst that were, there were certain circumstances in their life that they didn't have an answer to. The door was shut. They had no way of knowing. And with, with, with the pressure of the world coming down that God opened doors and worked miracles in their lives to their situation. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. It's, and I don't think it's just our church. I, I think it's happening in other places. But you need to know it's happening in your church, see. You, you need to happen, it's, it's, that's happening here. Prayers are being answered all around us. And to encounter all of this and be a spectator rather than a participator, to have God working in, in, over, in all these different places but not allow Him to work in you, that's a dangerous place to be. See, that's... I am not your spiritual cheerleader. I am your spiritual leader. And sometimes being a leader, I have to give you the old rah, 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 re, 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 kick him in the knees. And I'm telling you, we need to be excited about, you know, the ras, 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 kick him in the other knee speech, right? Come on. Mm-hmm. I know what y'all were thinking. Y'all going to hell. That's what y'all thinking that way. Your preacher cussing up here in the... Come on. But we need to be aware that God is moving, and we don't need to look back and say, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. We need to celebrate, even though it may not, you may not have any needs in your life. You may not be facing any obstacles in your life. But let's be happy, let's be excited, let's be full of the joy of the Lord and celebrate what he's doing in other people's life and be a part of that. My fear for our church is we get so accustomed to the Spirit moving in our services and, and, and the gifts and operation that when he does move, when he does come in here and operate in the gifts through his body, that we just kind of hold home about it. I mean, what would your response be today if Jesus literally walked through the back, or the front, I'm sorry, that's, to me it's the back to use the, well, to use the back. The, what, would you, what would you, I mean, I'm not trying to bring guilt or condemnation. I'm trying to bring a point here, because we're about to talk about Judas. See, and what we have to do, we've got to look at ourselves and find out, are we Judas today? That's heavy. See, because he may not have physically walked through, because right now he is physically in the presence of our Father, Heavenly Father, interceding for you and I in the throne room of God. Look at Revelation chapter 4. But his Holy Spirit, who he had to leave so could come, the third member of the Trinity came in today. How did you respond to him? <laughs> Would you have waited 24 hours in a line to see him or to experience him. You know it's amazing to me to say my notes, and I know I'm walking, so this is dangerous for y'all. <laughs> it's amazing how people waited 24 hours in a line to see the casket uh, of the Queen of England. And, I, hey, I, that's awesome. That's an awesome thing. We wouldn't do that to see a president or somebody. I mean, it wouldn't. We, we, you think about that, right? Come on, right? But it's, am, it's amazing how we can't wait 
on the move of the Spirit. It's amazing how much trouble it is to get up on a Sunday morning and come to church. I'm not on my notes, so this has got to be the Holy Spirit. Or it's my flesh, and just forgive me if it is. I don't think it is. I have to. We grumble about the temperature. We grumble about the style of music we play. We sing. Come on. We grumble, don't we? We grumble, don't we? Come on. Oh, I am. I am. I'm preaching it. Y'all may find a new pastor. You may run me off. And I love you. And I'm not angry with anybody. I tell this is I I just I just saw how people wait in line and I think, Lord, why can't we be that hungry and desire to get a glimpse of you? And I know he shows up in your life every day. If he doesn't, he ought to be. Not on him, that's on you. And I think, man, we Oh, but let something happen in your life and you're on your knees down here and you're boohooing like a baby. I'm getting there. I'm way off my notes, guys. Just keep up with me, Daniel. Just keep. I think we need to look a little bit at Judas's life. I want us to look at Judas's life. I think it's, it's a dark life. I mean, it actually starts off really great, but I think for us to appreciate what's happening in Acts chapter 1 and a little prelude to what I just said there, I think we need to look at it. So I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 10 with me. I want you to turn to your Bibles. It's going to be on the board. If you didn't bring your Bibles, that's, that's fine. You should have. Pull out your phone. Just get off Facebook and TikTok and all that stuff. Give your pastor a little bit of your attention this morning. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, reads this way. I'm reading out of the NIV. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. And listen what he gave them. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Praise God. This calling and giving authority by Jesus, you know who it includes? Judas. I told you, I, I studied this this week. This, this is some good stuff. Most people probably don't think about this, but Judas had an anointing on his life. Had anointing. He was chosen by Christ to heal the sick. He was empowered by Jesus to cast out demons. Judas proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. He was one of the twelve. He was part of the inner circle of Jesus. Can you imagine what Judas witnessed? He witnessed Jesus walking on water. He witnessed Jesus raising the dead. He witnessed Jesus. Can you imagine? The, my, you know what my favorite miracle is that Jesus performed? Because I like fish and chips, man. He took the bread and he took the fish and he multiplied it more than once. He did one, one place he did it for 5,000. One place he did it for 4,000. He did it twice. Think about what all that Judas witnessed as he lived his life as he followed Christ. He was a Christ follower. He followed Christ. He was under the teachings of Christ. And he, he heard Jesus teach. He heard about the kingdom. He was privy to information that others did not understand when Jesus spoke. He was part of Jesus' twelve, his inner circle. Yet G Judas portrayed Jesus, didn't he? People have asked, why did Judas betray, betray Jesus? And and, 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 and it, some proposed that it was for, for money or for greed, and obviously money and greed was a part of that. But according to Scripture, that was not the underlying issue. The real problem was he never believed in Jesus. 
He had an anointing. He had a calling. He was empowered. He, as far as we know, he performed miracles when, when he was sent out. I want you to hear, hear me this morning. But the problem wasn't that he was greedy. We're going to get to those scriptures in a moment. The problem was is he was living from, uh, with, a, with an unbelief of who Jesus really was. See, I, I've come to, to find out uh, that you can come to church and not believe. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Uh, you can see miracles and not believe. You can see the Spirit move in different types of gifts and in operations, but yet still not believe. You can believe that there's power in the name of Jesus and still not believe, see. That, that, that's, that's what I'm reading here. Turn over to John chapter 6 with me. I'm just going to be a little choppy today, but just, just bear with me. I had a, you know what's sad? I have a digital Bible um, and it's, 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 a, it's probably a sad proclamation on me. I had to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John to know where John was. That's sad. I'm sorry. I'm so used to being able to go through my, either my tabs in my Bible or through my electro, electronic Bible here. All right. Now, in the Scripture, before we read uh, verse 64, what we're going to find is Jesus is speaking not just to his 12 followers, but there's a multitude of people following him. He's very popular. He's he doing miracles. I mean, let's face it. Someone's doing miracles, and they're feeding you for free, and they got these great words of, of knowledge and wisdom. You're going to follow him. They're going to go around with him. And that's what's happening. In these numbers, he's, Jesus could have had as many as th thousands of people at this point following him. We, we really don't know, but we know there's a great multitude. And what he's doing is he's talking to them about the kingdom of God, and he says that he's talking about salvation, eternal life. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not experience eternal life. And, and upon this the Bible says it's a hard saying. It was, it was hard for them to understand. And because of that, because of that, a lot of his people left. A lot of his followers said, hey, I'm leaving. I can't. You're talking about cannibalism. Cannibalism, which we know is what was not what Jesus intended to mean. He, he, he's saying a hard thought. He's talking about you got to intake. You got to take him in. Holy is what he's talking about completely here. And upon that, his disciples start grumbling because they see what? Hey, these people are leaving. That's a hard saying, Lord. What do you mean by this? Don't you see all these people leaving? Why don't you go and bring them back? Say something to bring them back. That's the context of what he's about to say here. And they're grumbling. So Jesus responds in verse 64. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So when, when people don't believe, what I've come to understand is people will follow Jesus. People will come to church. People will interact with the church. People will interact with the Word. But if they're not really following Jesus, sooner or later, they're going to leave Jesus. Okay? I mean, you, you gotta, I mean that's not my message here, but you just got to understand that within the context. And in verse 70, Jesus says this, Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Let's just know Judas is in this conversation, yet one of you is a devil. Wow, what a harsh word. And of course, 71 tells us he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. See, G Judas didn't become a devil when Satan filled his heart in John chapter 13, if you look further into the scripture. That's not when it had, when he When he went out to the night and betrayed Jesus, that's not, Jesus, Judas never, he didn't stop believing in Jesus when the money was offered to him. It's the fact of the matter is, he never truly believed in Jesus, see? Yes, Jesus was popular. Yes, he was powerful. He performed great miracles in front of him. But to Judas, Jesus wasn't his Lord. He was someone to use. 
Judas used his position with Jesus to benefit himself. He would take some from the treasury to put in his pocket. Yes, Judas believed that one day Jesus would overthrow the Roman government. Hey, he wanted to be close to them because if he became king, then I'm going to be the treasury of Israel. He saw it as a benefit. Definitely it brought attention to him. Oh, you're Judas. You're one of the twelve. It opened some doors for Judas's life. See, and what happened? He never believed according to the scripture. He would do what? He was using Jesus. Jesus viewed Jesus through a lens of unbelief. And when you see Jesus through the lens of unbelief, you see him as someone to use and not someone to serve. That's a hard saying, isn't it? When you view him through someone to use, when all he is is someone that you use, that's a, that, that is a lens of unbelief according to the Word of God, see? And I see this all the time. People in crisis, what do they do? They show up to church, and they ought to. This should always be a safe haven. should always be a place of rescue. should always be a place you can meet the Lord, and you can receive Christ. You, can, you, can, you, you get needs met in your life. I, I think it ought to be. But what happens is so often will people will come, and they'll slide into the altar like it's second base, and they just stole second base in a baseball game, and they play, and they cry, and they weep. And, and then when God shows up, they leave, and they go on to live their life the way they've always lived. And nothing's changed other than the fact that God's met them at the altar. Now, we can split hairs this, this morning. I know we can split hairs. Each situation is different. I'm, I'm humbly here to tell you, you are right. Each person's encounter is different. I just can tell you from the history of being a pastor what I have seen. I've seen it in this body. There's sometimes the only time people pray, the only time they, they come to church is when they're in a crisis, when life's not going the way they want, when they're sick, they don't have the doctors, don't have an answer for it. They got bills that are coming out their ears. They have, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my business. And what do they do? They come to God, and God graciously receives them because he's a loving, caring, heavenly father. And what happens is God starts moving, brings relief in the life, gives them direction, whatever the cost may be. And what happens is then they, they, they leave. They leave, see. So you have to ask yourself the question, is Jesus someone I serve or someone I use? Am I the master and Jesus is the genie and I just rub the bottle? Poof! How can I serve you, great master Tony? Well, you know, Jesus, man, I would really like X, Y, and Z. Poof! There it is. Or is he the master and you're his servant? Who serves who in this relationship? Who serves who, see? It's a sobering thought to realize you can hang out with Jesus, you can hang out with others who serve Christ, as disciples, and really not have a relationship with Jesus at all. And see, I talk to people all the time. I hear it all the time. I go to church. Good. I read my Bible. That is awesome. Or I know this person or that person. That, that, that's great. I know all about God. Oh, I'm glad you know all about God. You know, you can know all about God and not really know Him. We can look at that in our own relationship, can't we? See, yeah. You can go to this church or any other church and die and never make it to heaven. You can be a really good person. You can volunteer at church or at community. You can, do all the, you can give a lot of money to church or, or charity, whatever you want to do. You can do all that, but that's not going to get you to heaven, see. According to Jesus, you can even do ministry in his name. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7 with me. See, I want you guys to have your Bibles to look at this. Because you probably have read this 
all these scriptures you've probably read, but maybe you haven't put all these dots together when we just look at this man named Judas. He's a very interesting dude. His life is, I think, a foreshadowing of many Christians today. According to Jesus, you could do ministry in his name and not have a relationship with him. Now, why this is so, I don't know, but it, here it is. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Listen to what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to be Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So does your life back up the testimony of faith that you proclaim? When people see you, do they see a Christian? Could they say, yeah, that's definitely the mark of a Christian. That person definitely loves God. I mean, I'm not here to be judgmental. I'm just asking you. You have to determine that. You know, what would people say about your life? Would they say, you know Jesus? Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, what day? This is judgment day. Obviously, this is probably, this is not the judgment seat of Christ. This is the great white throne judgment. Because if it was the judgment seat of Christ, these people would be saved. But according to this, they're not. So this is, this is Revelation 21 for my Bible students on Wednesday nights, right? We just went over this. Men would say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name and your name drive out demons and your name perform many miracles? That sounds like a believer to me. That sounds like a spirit-filled person right there, doesn't it? Then I will then plainly say to them, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. Somebody here he's talking to is doing ministry in the name of Jesus, and he says, I never knew you. And he, essentially he calls them an evildoer. How can be casting out demons be evil? How can playing, praying for the sick and seeing them healed, how can that be evil? How, how can they, I mean, we, listen, is it just me? Do you think about these things? This is Jesus here. This is not a parable. Know the difference between a parable and, and this, right? Parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. There's no, this is not a story he's telling. He's saying this is the way it's going to be. And he calls them evildoer. Why? Why is it? It's because the motive behind what they're doing is not right. They're not in relationship with them. They're doing it for their own benefit. They're doing it for their own use. They're doing it so it escalates them, it builds them up. That it points to them and not to Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. They, he said, I never had a relationship with you. There was never a two-way relationship. Yeah, you may have talked a lot to me, but you never listened to me. And I heard you, but you never listened to me. And I even did things for you. And yes, whether we like it or not, there's authority in the name of Jesus, even for the unbeliever. There are spiritual principles that God won't break. Do you know an unbeliever, someone who's not saved, if they tithe, God's still going to bless them and open up the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings? There are spiritual principles, and we may not understand this fully, but that doesn't change it. He said these people are evildoers. Why? Because the heart was not right. They were not in relationship with Jesus. They were operating through a window of unbelief, a filter of unbelief. They may have seen him as one way, but they never seen him as what? Lord. I find it interesting that people want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. But you can't. You can't. You, you, he uses those terms to help us understand the relationship we have with Him. He first saves us from our sins. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? Here's your theology. He's already saved you from every one of your sins. Your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. His blood went as far back as Adam's. Adam didn't make it to heaven until Jesus ascended. That song we sang and took the keys, the authority of hell. That's when, that's when Adam and all those saints went to be with the Lord. They were in this place called Shul, Abraham's bosom, paradise. Thief on the cross. What was it? Remember today. Hey, today you're going to be with me where? In, not in heaven. Paradise. It's a difference. Now, he was one of the shortest people to stay in paradise. Because that day Jesus died and within three days, two days, he was in heaven. Okay. Chasing a rabbit. Let me bring it back to what my point is here, okay? You can do things in the name of Jesus and not be saved. 
You could do things in ministry and great exploits for God, and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Doesn't make sense to me, but it's his word. What's his response going to be? I never knew you. It's amazing how you can be exposed to so much light as Judas was and still not believe. Look at Matthew 26 with me. 26. For some of y'all, maybe even answering some questions today. This is, this is good. It's not trivia. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Matter of fact, you go along with I never knew. You can look over here in, in uh, chapter 25, and you can learn about the sheep and the goats. But that's not what we're here to do. We're going to be at 25, 26, verse 14. This is the last night of the life of Christ. Before he dies, and he says this. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked. And this is the guy who saw all this, that God performed miracles through. He saw all the miracles. He heard all the words of Christ, lived with him three and a half, camped out, all that stuff, moved around with him. This is the same guy on that night, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? And so they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, from this text, it appears that Judas betrayed Jesus for money. There's no doubt that Judas loved money. That was his motive. He was the treasurer. He liked the money. Let's build up the treasury. Let's, why, why would the, remember, why, why waste all that perfume on, on, on anointing Jesus? I, we could have sold that to, to help the poor. I mean, his thinking is build up the treasury, right? Remember that story? You don't remember that story? The woman comes in, alabaster box. Well, why, 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 wait, 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 that's a year's wage. Why are we wasted that? that was, it, money was definitely part of his motive. But underneath that love for money is the root of unbelief. See, when a person be- loves money, this is what they're saying. When money is your motive, when money is your drive, when money is all you can think about, get more, get more, got to do this, good, this, what you're really saying is you believe that money is more important than God. Or money can make you happier than God. See, or money can provide for you better than God. And all those are unbelief. When you believe that something is greater than God, more important than God, can do more for you than God, then there's an there, you, you, issue of unbelief in you. You're not believing the Word of God where it says He will be all things to you. He will do all things for you. He will be your provider. He will be your protector. He is the great I Am who, who cares for His people, see. And so when you start chasing, does that mean we don't work? Of course not. He also talks about laziness. Don't be lazy. Matter of fact, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Right? Come on. If you're not working, you don't have income, you shouldn't be eating. All right. Let's go on. All right. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1 now. Back to Acts chapter 1. That was just my introduction. We're not done yet. So let's go to verse 15. I know we read them, but let's reread them in context. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group of numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the Scriptures has to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. That's what we just went through. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So I'm just making my point. So Judas shared in the ministry, but now he's gone. His position is empty, but notice what Peter wants everyone to know about Judas' betrayal. It didn't catch God off guard. It did not catch God by surprise. And let me say this. Judas did not have to betray Jesus. 
It was his choice. I've heard a lot of people say, well, God created him. He was predestined to do it. He had a choice. Do you mean to tell me that the Sanhedrin, the chief priest, didn't know where Jesus was? He'd been in the synagogue. He'd been in the temple preaching. He'd been in the street doing miracles. They could have found him very easy. The idea behind this, let me give you a little history on it, was a political move. They wanted one of his own to betray him. So now when he goes into court and they put him up before the Sanhedrin on trial, they could say even one of his own betrayed him. Even one of his own don't believe that he is who? The Messiah, the Son of God. He had a choice. Now, Scripture had to be fulfilled. I'll get to that. But he had a choice, okay? He did not have to betray Jesus. What happens is God, in his foreknowledge, knew that Judas would betray Jesus. It's a difference. Verse 18. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. Understand that what that says right there. We're going to hit that in just a minute. And there he fell long, headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Pretty gross scene. Pretty sad scene. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akadel Dama. That is, filled of blood. Now, I'm not going to make you turn here, but you can write this down if you're a note taker or get the notes on the app. Over in verse, uh, chapter uh, 7 of Matthew, it reads this way. Listen to what Matthew says. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and their elders. It almost sounds like Judas was repenting here, doesn't it? It almost sounds like Judas is repentant here. He what? He had remorse. It seized, he was seized with remorse. But please understand that there is a difference between remorse and repentance. There's a difference from feeling sorry, feeling bad for what you've done, and truly repenting. Many people feel bad about their sin, but they're not willing to turn from it. Because repentance means I'm turning from it. If you are sin, and I'm, I'm doing sin, and I repent, that means I turn from what is sinful, and I start now living for Jesus. Now listen, Christian, you got to get this, because the Christians in the world today don't understand it. They have an encounter with Jesus, but they never turn from their sin. They keep living their life the way they want to live. They want a Savior, they want fire insurance, but they don't want a Lord. They don't want to put themselves under His authority. They want that covering when they're in need. They want that covering when, when things aren't looking good, but when things are going well, they want to come outside that umbrella, and they say, I'm going to live my life the way I want, and I don't care about God. You start doubting the Word, or we start exercising our grace. I love grace. And Lord, forgive me for saying this, God. You know my heart. I don't mean the way it's going to come out, but I'm tired of hearing about grace. I love grace. Grace is there. I'm not preaching condemnation here. I'm just saying, I don't want you to be end up like Judas one day and you stand before Jesus and say, but I went and I taught Sunday school. Or I went and I cut the, the neighbor's yard. Or I went over here and prayed for so-and-so. And I went on this mission trip. And he can say, yeah, but I never knew you. But what about my grace? Jesus? Well, grace is for those who I know. It's a privilege only those who I know get access to. This is a hard saying. This is tough. We have become so friendly to the lost that we need to be, that we want to water down the gospel and just say, come on down here, have an experience, have a boo-hoo moment, get your hanky out, oh, oh God, oh God, and then they walk up and they leave the same way they came in, because why? They're not willing to repent. They're sorry for what they've done that's got their life in the mess. They're sorry they got caught. 
How many of y'all got caught speeding are really remorseful for it? No, you're sorry you got caught, because why? I see you running up down 231 all the time. <laughs> you didn't repent. You're still doing the same thing, hoping I don't get caught. I hope I don't get caught. Oh, there's a police. <laughs> Some of y'all even play around with the, with the, uh, the uh, cruise control. So they pull you over. Look, Pat, uh, uh, officer, get in with me. I'll show you. I'm going to hit cruise. You can see I was doing 56 in that 55, because why? You trust it real quick before they pull you over. I know the tactics. I got pulled over one time for speeding. That's before I got married. And that's so I could get home to see this beautiful woman. Because she'd been out of town. And I said, that's the last time I get a ticket for speeding to see a woman. And I don't mean that ugly. I actually didn't say a woman. I said, that's the last time I get a speeding ticket. I was saying that for her benefit. She, anyways, that's a personal joke. I know. I'm taking her out to lunch today. I know already. There was a leftover hamburger, though. But anyways, all right. All right, I'm chasing a rabbit. Let me bring it back. Let me bring it back, okay? Repentance is when a person turns from their sin and turns to Jesus. There's a difference. I hope you're okay with this. And if you're not, take it up with God. I've got almost a full house. I thought I need to take advantage of this. No, I'm joking with that. I never know from week to week who's going to be here. I just prepare what God lays on my heart. He had a choice. Judas had a choice. Think about this. Can the gospel message get any better? And I'm going to tell you it could have. You know how the gospel message could have gotten better? It's right here when Judas realized what he had. And he had received with remorse. What would happen if he'd ran to the cross? And said, Jesus, forgive me. He didn't. I know he didn't. Did he have a choice? Yeah, we all have a choice. We'd, uh, the question of predestination comes in all the time. According to Scripture, the way I understand it, I'm not, we're, we're all, it's, it's God's will that none should perish. So God's predestination for all of us is to go live in heaven. But he gives you free will. You choose. And it's more than just coming to church. Thank you for being here today. It's more than carrying a big Bible. Read it, please. It's more than teaching or volunteering at church or in the community. It's about a relationship. Instead of repenting, G Judas just feels bad in an attempt to undo what he had done. What does he do? He returns the silver. He takes it back to the high priest. And the elders, and he, he just throws it out. He's trying to make amends, as a lot of people do. We try to do things to undo what we've done. But we can't undo what we've done. Only Jesus can undo what we've done. And it only comes with a relationship with him. Forgiveness of sin is for everybody, but it's initiated when it's a sincere relationship is built with him. I'm not putting conditions on salvation. Mm -mm. We know that. Not by works. But can I tell you something? After you're saved, works are the proof that you're saved. How you live your life is proof of what you believe. Matthew 27, verse 4 and 5 says this. Judas speaking says, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is it that to us? Replied what? The chief priest. And what's that to us? That's your responsibility. You've done it. It's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Sad, sad. Now, you're probably saying at this moment, if you're really watching what we're reading and turning to Scripture, there's a difference between what Paul, uh, Peter says in Acts chapter 1, verse 18, and, and what is read right there in Matthew, isn't it? One said what? He fell and his gut split open. The other one says he was hanged, which is right. 
Both are right. Because what happened was he went and hung himself, and the rope or the branch, whatever it was, broke, and he fell, and when he did, he burst open. It's a pretty bad. What tragic story, though. Tragic, tragic story. They used Judas' money to buy the field. Therefore, in a sense, what happened? Judas bought the field. See, Scripture makes sense. It doesn't contradict itself. Now, back to Acts chapter 1. Let's finish. You ready to finish? Good. You guys got the answer right today. You guys all get a smiley face. That was a test. That was a trap, and you didn't fall for it. Very, very good. Verse 20. Now I'm going to close with one final thought. Okay? This is not my clothes. Craig, it's not my clothes. It's just I'm getting to my clothes. I'll let you know. Verse 20. This is not going to be on the board. Hopefully you're back in Acts chapter 1. For, said Peter, it's written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and then may another take his place of leadership. These are scriptures. Scriptures being fulfilled. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us this whole time the Lord uh, Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us for his resurrection. So he's laying out some stipulations of who could replace Judas. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Note that. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. They cast lots, God chose, Matthias was chosen, and he took Judas' place. Now I'm closing. I want us to look at verse 25 again. There's an interesting phrase right there. There, I want you to look at that. The last part, which Judas left to go where he belongs. It's an interesting scripture, isn't it? Where he belongs. So where did Judas go? Worst place imaginable. Right? What did Jesus say about the one who betrayed him? He said, woe unto him. It's better that he had never been born. Never been born. That means there's a terrible place that this, this person is going. He's, Peter's saying Judas went to where he belonged. Hell is a place where people go who belong there. You say, I didn't think anybody belonged there. Well, it was never God's intention for anyone to go there as far as humanity goes. Okay? All right? So you say, what do you mean? See, what I have come to find out is death doesn't change anything. Death only makes permanent what was in our hearts when we were alive. Death only makes permanent what's in your heart when you were alive. See? Judas went to hell because he belonged there, because that is where anyone who rejects Christ as Lord, that is where they belong. It isn't that God sends anybody to hell. It's a choice, and when you don't serve Jesus, when he's not your Lord, this is where you belong. You predestine yourself. You predestine yourself. That's tough. God never sends anyone. Well, no, God sends nobody to hell. They all, I mean, he does. It's his word that, hey, this is judgment, but basically it is your choice. So the question must be asked, where will you belong in eternity? I know what God has laid out for everybody. Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place. 
the place for you. God's prepared a place. I wonder how many places have been prepared that nobody's occupying today. Because why? They chose poorly. They did not choose wisely, see. It's a choice, see. And if you say, well, I belong in heaven, if that's your answer, then I have to ask you the question, why do you belong there? Why do you belong there? You don't belong there because you come to this church. You don't belong there because you're a member of this church, although I'm very thankful for both of those. You don't belong there because you get the perfect attendance for coming to this church. You get that mug. You know, you ever got a perfect attendance mug from work? I have. Somewhere in my little box of collectibles up in the attic somewhere. Yeah. No, you, you don't, you, your determination isn't based on how much you give to God. Other than your life. See? See, there's no way you can do anything to assure yourself heaven in your works other than receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. That, that's what you have. After that fact, then there are works involved. And here's what's great. If you're here this morning, because I'm about to give people an opportunity to receive Christ, okay, because it's your choice. Here's the great thing. You don't have to be perfect to be saved. Okay? How many of y'all have been saved at least 40 years of your life? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have been saved at least 50 years of your life? All right, just look around. Keep your hands up. Those people are not, they're not perfect. I just wanted to point that out for y'all. They're not perfect, right? But they're saved. Based on what? Jesus being Lord of their lives, see. It doesn't matter what you do. No one is good enough to make it to heaven on your own. There's only one way a person goes to heaven, and that's believing in Jesus and being born again, making him your Lord and serving him. Remember, Judas hung out with Jesus in the flesh. He broke bread with Jesus. Jesus washed his feet in the upper room the night that he betrayed him. Judas hung around Jesus. He, he was part of Jesus' ministry, but yet... He went where he belonged because Jesus was never his Lord. He only used Jesus. Therefore, he spent eternity away from him. It's hard for us to understand or accept it, but Jesus, Judas went to hell because that's where he belonged. That was his choice, his action. So my question to you is this. Where do you belong this morning? I want my... I just need a... Maybe a keyboardist or something, just playing something. We, I don't need the whole worship team. Some of them may need to come to the altar and get saved this morning. I'm joking. And the very one that needs to get saved is going to play the keyboard. No, kidding. <laughs> kidding. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm sorry, that was inappropriate, and I apologize. She knows I love her. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads yet. We're going to do that in a minute. For those, for all of us. You know, you, it, this may surprise you, and maybe it doesn't. But when, when God births these things in me, it's almost as if I have to ask, God, are you pointing at me, or is this for the church? Because if you think sometimes that maybe this hurts, well, God's reading my mail. Well, he is, but I, it, it's got, I have to filter it first. And, I, and you know me, I'm, I've, I've grown in my ministry. Uh, I'm not afraid to preach what God lays on my heart. I try to do it with love and gentleness. This is not an easy message because we all have to evaluate ourselves, don't we? I, 
I personally, my personal theology, I think Judas thought he was right with Jesus. I, th- I, I think he thought, hey, I've seen Jesus perform miracles, and I'm going to turn him in. I'm going to get the money for the treasury. I'm just thinking out loud. I could be wrong. I'm going to get money for the treasury, and I'm going to watch Jesus perform another miracle, even though Jesus the whole time says, I've got to die. Never registered with the disciples until that night. I, and I could be wrong on that. I've heard different theories. But regardless of why he did it, he didn't believe. He didn't believe. There's times, and you say, well, pastor, are you trying to say I can lose my salvation? No. Can I be honest with you? You can't lose your salvation. You've heard me spill. You can walk away from it, but you can't lose it. You can't lose it. It's not like you can take your salvation and set it over here and say, where did I put my salvation? Is it? No. But you can say, this is what I know I ought to do. But man, this sure is what I want to do. Yeah, I'm going to go this way. You ever wonder, I saw this the other day, I forget where I, you ever wonder why the path that Jesus lays out for our lives is narrow? Because honestly, there's not as many people on it as we think. I'm looking. Can I give you a word picture for just a moment? I know. Shut up and and, and pray, Tony. I know. I know. Y'all are getting hungry. I got seven minutes on the clock. No rush. You know me. I'm not. There's a path that's wide that leads to destruction. I'm going to use y'all as an analogy again. This is something God gave me. I had a personal experience with this. Whether you've heard it from someone else is fine. I never heard it. God gave me this personal, this personal picture. We often think as the narrow road goes this way and the wide path goes this way. And the reality is they actually they go in opposite directions. But it's not that the world is over here going that way. We're going to say that's hell this time. Well, that's what it was earlier. That's right. It's not that the world is going this way and then we're here going this way. No, it's that, that this is the world going to hell. This is the world that's going to hell. And here is the world that's going to heaven. And we're maneuvering through the world that's going to hell. That's why it's narrow. Can you see that picture? It's one road, but God has, God has made a way for us to get there. You know, it's probably a good picture of what it's like. This is heaven. This has been heaven today to me. We're going to walk out those, those doors and we're going to face hell again. But he's saying, come. 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 So it's a terrible world out there. But come. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. But it begins by first bending the knee confessing your sins and then saying I am taking myself off the throne of my life I'm saying no to self no to the flesh and I'm putting Jesus there permanently and whatever he says wherever he leads whatever his word tells me to do that's the path that's because why he's leading me down paths of righteousness for his name's sake 
though it may lead through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. His rod and his staff are there to protect me. And he's going to bring me in before my enemies. Death, sin, the devil. And he's going to prepare a table before me for my enemies. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to fellowship. And then one day when he's ready, I'm going to live in his presence forever. Until then, his mercy follows me. See, see. Question is, for you, is he just someone you use to get you out of a mess? Or is he someone you're serving and you're going to serve him through the mess? I can't answer that. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to answer that. I want every head bowed and every eye closed in here this morning. I'm going to ask everyone, please, nobody look at me. Nobody looking up. Please. Please, nobody looking up. I know this is a different way of doing things. I don't want anybody to look up until I tell you to. And what I'm asking today, if you're here this morning, and unbeknownst to you, you are Judas. You, you're not serving Jesus. You're, you're wanting Jesus to serve you. Yes, he came to serve and to seek those who are lost. But now that's the church's job. He's in heaven interceding for us. Right, don't get confused. He's not here to serve you any longer. He'll look after you. He'll take care of you. You're here to serve him and do that work for his ministry, for his church, through his church. So if that's you this morning and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I, I, need, to, I need to give my life to God. I need to, give, I need to get saved today. If that's you... I want you to look at me and keep your eyes on me until I acknowledge you this morning because there's a lot of faces. Thank you. Thank you. Until I make acknowledgement, thank you. You can put them down once I make eye contact with you. You can put them down. Thank you. I'm not here to condemn. Thank you. I'm not here to condemn. I'm just simply here to tell you the truth in love. If I've not made eye contact with you, please, you say, why is that important? Because that's part of your confession. And it helps me know how to pray, who to pray for. Amen. I think there's about six. Not that we're keeping count, but just in my mind. That's six. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing, God. You know, Lord, how I prayed this morning that I would step out of the way, Lord, your spirit, your word take over. And I thank you, God. This is not an easy message to hear, God. We all have to time to time evaluate, are we still on the path that you've laid out for us? But Lord, for some today, <clears throat> there's a hesitation. For some in here today, God, there's an acknowledgement that they're unsure whether they've never received Jesus as their Savior and Lord, <clears throat> or they feel like they've drifted. They've gotten off course, God, as you preached through me many months ago, the drift. For they know it, they're down the beach and they've left your presence. God, I pray for them right now. If that was you today and you raised, you, you looked at me, you raised your eyes to me. <clears throat> I don't want you to repeat a prayer after me. I just want you to pray. And simply what you're going to do is you're going to just tell God you're sorry for what you've done, for how you've lived your life. Receive Jesus. Just simply ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And, and then you need to make this proclamation to God. And you need to be careful about making promises to God and not keeping them. So I think this is important. You need to proclaim to God that you're, going to, you, you're giving your life to Him. And you are going to live your life for Him until the day He takes you out of this world. And if you'll do that, you won't have to fear death. 
You won't have to fear the grave. You'll see the sin of your life be broken. You're going to be broke free. There's going to be uh, uh, bondages and there's, there's, there's strong, uh, uh, strongholds in your life that are going to be broken as you start submitting to the Word of God and the leading of the Spirit of God. And, and we're going to pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because when that happens, wow, things are going to start happening in your life and you're going to be amazed at what God's going to do in you and through you. But it begins right here with fully committing your life to God through the blood of Jesus. I said a lot right there. You don't have to say all that. Just simply confess that you're a sinner. Ask Jesus to not only be your Savior, yes, save me from my sins, but be Lord of my life. And now help me. Send me the Comforter, the Helper, that I might live my life for you and your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now for those who looked at me, there's one more step. I'm, this is biblical. There's one more step that you have to do to complete your salvation. It may not be easy, and I don't want you to waste this. I don't want you to waste this moment. You need to find somebody who's also a believer in Christ, that you know that's a Christian, and you need to tell them what's happened to you today. The Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Don't just say, hey, I went to church. No, I gave my life to Jesus today. I gave my life to Jesus today. And if that person is a mature Christian, what they're going to do is they're going to wrap their arms around you, they're going to pray for you, and they're going to come alongside and check on you. Come on, church. We can't just reach the lost. We've got to make disciples too. So you need to be prepared. If someone comes to you and says, Today, I gave my heart to Jesus, you need to wrap your arms around them, celebrate with them. The angels are celebrating in heaven because six people gave their heart to Jesus today. There's a party going on. We need to celebrate like our team just won because it did. And then you come alongside that person and you pray for them. Check to see if they have a Bible. Check to see if they have a Bible. Get them a Bible if they don't have a Bible. And then you're going to pray for them and you're going to check on them. See how they're going. And when they're not here, see, iron sharpens iron. If you was here last week, Dr. Darrow, he talked about that very thing. It, it, it's, not, it's not a legalistic thing, but we need to come together. Don't forsake the silliness of ourselves together. We need to come into our small groups. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. There's accountability in our small group. You need to be held accountable for what you've done today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because this is no small thing. This is a powerful thing in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you for our gifts that have been here today. Pray, Lord, that you bless them in a mighty way. God, let them, Father, know that they've lived. God, they've met, Lord, with the living God today. God, may we leave here changed. May we leave here changed today. If we, Father, anytime we encounter your presence, there should be a change in our lives, God. May we leave here encouraged. May we leave here, uh, God, under the conviction, Lord, to make changes in our life, God. May we leave here, God, not just more intellectual in your word, but living your word, God, and breathing your word, God, and, and embracing what your word says. God, but I pray that none of us are Judas today. Let nobody leave here, God, today in a state of unbelief, God. Now be with us. Go with us. May your angels, God, be employed around us, God. Father, as we are used by you for your kingdom. Lord, for those who are in the hospital today, God, for Nancy Fussell, God, we're believing in a miracle tomorrow in her life and her body. 
God, we're believing, Lord, you're going to take over in that situation, God. And Lord, whether it's by the surgeon's hands or by the great physician's hands, Lord, yours, we don't care, Lord. We want resolution. We want finality. God, I pray for Danny Sullivan, God, as he goes through this heart cath tomorrow. Lord, we're praying for good results. We're praying for a good report. But there again, Lord, whether it's by the surgeon's hand or the great physician's, your hands, God, Lord, we need resolution to this health issue, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's others, God, that are that are sick in our church, Father. We pray for them, God, that you move. God, many are facing uncertainty in their in their marriages. Many are facing uncertainty in situations at work, God. Move, God. May our faith arise, God. May we not be beat up. May we not be cowardly, Lord. May we stand firm, God, with our armor on, facing all that this world throws at us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church. Love you guys. Won't you invite someone out to lunch today or over to the house? Amen? Fellowship. Don't rush today. Don't rush out of this room today. Stand around, fellowship, love on each other. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.